God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. And welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. I'm so glad you've joined us today. I'm Tracy. I'm Leslie. And uh, we get together to remind each other to say yes to spirit in our everyday life. And we're so glad that you've decided to say yes to spirit as well. Just by the mere fact of listening. That's a, that's a an outward demonstration. And the fact that I showed up, I could have chose not to. No, that was not a choice. <laughs> That, that was not an option. It wasn't an option. It's always an option. Always an option. No, not an option. So, um, on the write-up on the show page, Our Father, who art in heaven, or which art in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What do we mean when we use the word Father in the spiritual context? That's what we'll be talking about today. That's our theme for today. And um, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But before we do that, we want to connect the dots with our previous theme. And our most recent theme was passion. Passion. So, Leslie, is there any connection between passion and the concept of our Father. You know, I just I can't think of one because I you know I go into the, uh, the passion as we talked about last week. When I think about passion, I'm thinking about physical pleasure, and then I think about our Father. I think about my physical Father. So see, the two don't collect at all. <laughs> gratefully, gratefully in my mind. Um, yeah. But if I think about passion, as you were referencing, and you know, passion living my life in all things that I do, and then the Our Father being spirit, then yes, yes, the spiritual passion. And we did talk about that some in terms of the spiritual passion to have that ignited, really, um, uh, you know, extraordinary kind of experience in a spiritual sense or a spiritual relationship with my higher power, my Our Father. So there you go. And I'm really interested to talk about Our Father because, you know, I never... Um, when I saw that, I thought I didn't think about our Father who art in heaven. Isn't that funny? I thought about you know my dad. <laughs> okay, there so you go. As we connect the dots and uh, hang with us for about a minute, and we will then be back talking about our Father. Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. And our theme today is Our Father. And I love what you said, Leslie, right before the break. Like, our father, like, we don't have the same father. Like, (laughs) our father, you know, did, like, my dad share something with your mom I don't know about. Um, But our father, from the spiritual perspective, that term father is used in so many ways. Mm. Um, and in so many of the um, primary books, 
or references that are used in so many different faith systems. Mm-hmm. So um, since we are saying yes to spirit, and since we often are saying yes to our Father, it's like, what does that mean? So today we get an opportunity to talk about uh, what do we mean when we use the word Father in the spiritual context. You know, it's just, it, it's it's so, I've spent so many years kind of deprogramming my mind from the idea of spirit being some male figure sitting in the sky judging and deciding who gets to come to heaven and who doesn't kind of concept of God or our Father or, you know, a male energy around spirit that I, um, I, 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 I don't associate our Father who are in heaven, which then displaces God into some faraway place. So I just don't associate that with spirit at all. Oh, do you feel the lightning? Is lightning coming? You should guard your house. <laughs> just in case I'm wrong. <laughs> so actually I think that's a good place to start. That that's the description of that that's the imagery and the context that many millions of people have in their minds with the term father in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. That it is a man or a, a, it is an entity that looks like a man because that's the imagery we, that we have. Right. And that this father lived far, far away in this place known as heaven or nirvana, or some remote place that is not with us right here and right now, uh, depending on your faith practice, and that he is an is a is a person is a personified as being a, in judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, to a large degree, at the same time, also being. Uh, attributed with those characteristics that we think a good father should have, providing guidance, providing what you need. And that's another thing that's kind of tripped me up in traditional thinking of our father, that that having the, you know, the all-loving, all-forgiving, all-kind, all these fabulous things, and then, you know, he sends people to hell. That just never really made sense to me. (laughs) He's just like, you can't. Both and you know that I don't see how that if he's all forgiving and all. Well, you don't like both and. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So there you go. That that's not surprising. But, but uh, and and it's interesting because I do think I've I've worked so diligently to not have that sense of um a God in heaven, you know, a male figure, and kind of deprogrammed myself from that way of thinking that now. When I listen, because I listen mostly to you know Christian traditional Christian songs, but I pull the spiritual, what I consider the spiritual thread or truth out of that, which is, to my belief, that God, Spirit, lives within us all. That we are creating the oneness that is the oneness, and um, that you know when when i hear it superficially in a song or something i don't i don't get triggered by it anymore but seeing it written you know our father you know that did still trigger me back to this idea and i i think in some way it um i can even remember a recent example where i wanted to kind of fall back into some nurturing sense of there was this big Almighty thing out there that was going to make it all better for me, which very comforting. Is very comforting. <laughs> and I and I think there's a synergy or something that happens that's ignited when I fall back into the energy of what is within me, and then it or what what I connect within you or I connect within someone else. There there's a, there is a a force of energy that can come through me that is very life-giving, that is not of my own making, my own human making. So so there is something to fall back into. I think it's a very subtle difference when I'm trying to fall back into it in terms of 
I'm a victim and I can't do anything versus, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a spot where I need to um, tap into that energy of the flow and allow myself to be energized by that, allow myself to be awakened or reawakened or remember that. It's it's a very subtle difference. And I can, you know, I can go pretty extreme in either way. Imagine that. But um, it's a very subtle difference. And I think the, the outpouring many times is, the same, I know in 12-step programs, they always talk about the first few months, you're kind of on cloud nine. When you do step one, admit I'm powerless over alcohol. My life has become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of that God, that higher power. So those three steps, you're kind of giving it all up. And there is there's a really fascinating, like it's like an energetic something shifts in people when they first take that three steps and everything just, all the lights turn green. They're not really doing anything except for taking those first three steps and all the lights turn green. So there is something that, like, from the outside seemingly comes in and, and moves heaven and earth and the addiction, you know, the, the desire is gone and all these things shift and then suddenly, boom, something happens and all that goes away. And then, it's, then they talk about that's when the work begins. So there is sort of a strange, and then you kind of get back to that point where it's all green lights, but it's a different, it's a different kind of all green light living than it was in that beginning, that pink cloud stage that they talk about. I'm so impressed that I knew the first three steps. Were you impressed? I just rattled them off. Yeah, you're not looking at a piece of paper. I am not even. I looking at the computer or anything. Wow, good for Leslie. I was impressed, actually. 12-step trivia. <laughs> but actually, it is interesting, turning it all over to this I, Our Father, you know, is, is the idea. This higher power right. or whatever. Um, actually, related to that, I was in a conversation a couple weeks ago with um, someone who is in a 12-step step program and and is recently, like, mm. pretty new, mm-hmm. you know, first time through the process, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, so in 12-step, when you can select, you can identify anything that you choose to as your higher power. Right. And, um, and it, it's interesting to know that even though her background was not growing up, was not traditional Christianity, she had for now, chosen her higher power. She has given it a male countenance, a male image, a male, uh, she uses the male pronouns, and for her, it is feeling very comforting Mm -hmm. and very protective for her to think of God as a man, Mm -hmm. you know, glorified man or, or, you know, super... Superpower man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and this is just kind of my perception is that uh, it is also she she's comfortable with it being a man because she's okay being mad at a man. She thinks her, her <laughs> you know a man with as uh, much strength and power and all of that can also deal with her anger. Gotcha, um, and that. It's that dance of giving up my power mm. and also releasing all my anger. It's like, well, you need you ought to be able to handle this kind of thing. <laughs> That's you know? cute. That's good. That she's yeah. planning ahead. And so it's uh, it's just a very interesting dynamic. And so I'm wondering what you think about this question, this idea that. I, I just have this intuition about, or no, it's not an intuition. It's a question. So I'm wondering. <laughs> I have to say, it's like it wasn't feeling right when I was saying question. But no, it's not an intuition. It's a question. How how do you think our relationship with our physical, biological family mm. father right relates to or is impacted? By our 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 concept of God, the Father is impacted by our, you know, physical, biological, or father we grew up in could be adoptive, but 
Do you think there's any connection? Well, oh, you know, I'm trying to think back when I had that. Because I was raised in the Methodist Church, so that was probably even though that even though I don't really perceive even thinking back then of God as some man up in heaven. I had such a fabulous dad. He wasn't in my life very long. He died when I was twenty, twenty-two, twenty-one. Very long time ago. But um, I have nothing. I have no negative thoughts about him. So it would be easy for me to. He was, you know, he was the kind guy that kept everybody else kind of calm in my family. So there wouldn't be any problem for me to. Tracy's laughing because that was a full-time job. But um, yeah, for three for, people. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so there wouldn't be any trouble with me kind of superimposing that image of a father in heaven onto him. But I know in my work with women in the Dallas County Jail, there you go, got that in. Um, certainly they have had some really, you know, violent relationships with their biological or foster fathers. And um, I have seen that play out in terms of their traditional sense of God and um and I think that's another reason that twelve step programs are so so um you know that's about the only rule there is that you know that there's no preconceived con- concept of higher power because so many people have either had a bad experience with traditional churches or you know the idea of their family has been so dramatic, so they could have the the clock on the wall or the group be their higher power. But I, I would imagine that it could affect if somebody had had a negative experience with their dad. Do you do you have a do you have a thought there, Tracy? See, I'll ask the question back to you since I have no real good answer. You have a perfect answer. I had an answer, but it wasn't as as creative as if it had had some horrible experience with my father and could be. That well, would have been more. That no. would have been more interesting. To my idea of interesting, whatever, whatever my idea of interesting. Say, I was going to argue better, with that, but it's like, radio. doesn't matter. Yeah. It would have made a better news story, news but story. news is not my idea of more interesting. So, um, well, I, I when I was thinking what the there's a question nudging me, but it wasn't really, really, you know, grounded in my personal story. But as you were talking, I was thinking back. How did I kind of resonate or balance the two? But I always knew there was a difference between God the Father and my father father, mm-hmm. my, you know, biological father. Not good or bad, just like God is bigger than, more powerful than any mm-hmm. human being. And so there wasn't any real comparison. But there wasn't any, like, major contrast either that made me, like, pit them against each other. Mm-hmm. And a part of that may have been, you know, my, my dad was really um, very grounded in his in in his religious beliefs and lived in a way that was spiritual or religious leadership. Um, in you know pretty consistently, and he was a deacon in the church, and he was actually the one who took me took us to church every Sunday mm. um, more often than not. He was the he was the continuity and the connection with the church. My mother didn't always go because she worked nights, so she mm. worked nights and you know would get home at eight in the morning. We'd be leaving at eight fifteen or something like that. Um, to go to church, and then when I was older, she was more involved with the youth groups and all of that. But when I think about my dad, he was a model, and he was a connection in terms of he he spoke about God a lot, and and of course God the Father, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. But I never felt I never collapsed them into one into the same, right, and right. I never compared them. To me, it was always really very clear that this was a human being with all the you know, frailty and foibles of a human being, and God is perfect. So. And so our, our Father who art in heaven, Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. Or the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. Look at Leslie. Boy, she's getting her trivia down today. So, um, 
when when we think of the Trinity in a metaphysical sense, see now this is when you're gonna to have to be the smart one, Tracy. No, you've taken the Bible and you thought you. I, I know, I knew it. I know, I knew it at one time. But that, those three re- refer to some three, three, three something. Okay, but if you did know, what would you say? That so well, if I had to guess, that the Father would be the human, the Spirit would be the God within. And then the so think about the sun would be symbol. See now it's like a test, and I'm just freezing up my mind and shutting down. <laughs> click 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 click. I hear it shutting down. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What do those What do those entities stand for in a metaphysical? Tracy doesn't know the answer either. She would have already said it. <laughs> no, I just I'm I, no. What I'm going be back and forth between in my taking a deep breath is. Um, is that question of is this going to take the com? Is it going to help the conversation at all? Like I, I'm, you know how yeah, for me decide that before you say no. Well, it's like yeah, what's the context? <laughs> it might help somebody. It could so, help me, just me, and that'd be worth it. Okay, so what's the simple way? It's just. It's, it's complex. Oh, right? is it complex? You Although can't just say what people, the father represents, what well, the son represents. Some people would say it's not complex at all, but in my mind, it is because it's the concept. So, when we say the in the Trinity, we say it's the Father, the Creator, the Son, which is Jesus, right? The example, uh huh, or the model, and the Holy Spirit, which is or the Holy Ghost which is kind of that the mystery of how it all works. Okay. And so in in Science of Mind, and that's the other reason, it's like there are two different pieces of this, from metaphysical in general and Science of Mind. So in Science of Mind, when we think about the symbol that we use to talk about how God shows up in the world, it's in three layers. Right. Very much the same concept of the Trinity, that the Father would be that realm of spirit or direction that that creates the impulse for everything that happens. Okay. That is that's the intention the that's, that, okay. that's the father. Okay. And that the son would be the effect, like the father is the cause and the son is the effect. Mm-hmm. And what's in the middle, which we talk about as the law, would be the Holy Spirit because the it's the mystery of it's happening. You can't really see what's happening. Mm-hmm. It seems like a miracle, right? But when that seed is planted and it's as an acorn, something happens in the mystery. Something happens in the law. Something happens through the Holy Spirit that makes it come out as an effect of an oak tree. So the father is the is the is the the one, the one that the the energy the all and the well and the three of them together the Trinity all of the Trinity together is God, all of the three parts of the teaching symbol, that is the allness of God. And not but but and we talk about those three elements as. You know, we have descriptors, distinct descriptors for those three elements that together are all parts of God. That God is the inclusive inclusion of all of that. Mm-hmm. And so that in Science of Mind, that's the easiest way, I think, one of the reasons I love the teaching symbol, because it makes it easy to see the Trinity. Mm-hmm. The concept, it's the same concept of the Trinity that's used in traditional Christianity. It's just language to different and it you know, but it shows the connection between the three. Um and visually. And so yes. So a new thought. I mean the the Trinity is all about the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, that it is all one, which is the same, I think, across the board. And that there is a power that all that works by law, always. It's always working. 
whatever the power directs is what shows up in in form, which would be the sun. The sun. See, I think that was useful. I'm feeling usefulness out of that because it is it it it, it allows a frame of thinking for people. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm always kind of caught back and forth. I I sadly have intellectualized a lot of these things very early on in my life and so I intellectualize them and understand them and can talk about them and can perceive them and then experiencing them, you know, is a whole other thing. Um, but I am always fascinated by people's perceptions and beliefs and, you know, how how they frame what they think and how they live what they think. And I have a, a fabulous friend that I've known for 15 years and I've always kind of I, I wouldn't have thought she was an atheist, quote unquote, but I always knew she had a different kind of spiritual thinking than I did. And I just recently, like uh, within a week ago, found out that she has no concept of heaven, no belief in heaven. This is it, dust to dust. <laughs> and ever since then, I'm looking at her like, oh, poor sweet Sally Sue. <laughs> you know, I feel kind of sad because I think, wow, 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 what would I, you know, the, I, I think that would shift. So much for me in my pattern of living if I didn't think that this was all sort of interconnected and it kind of continues on and it's never ending and oh, there's some sort of... I thought you were implying that you believe in heaven. No, 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 but I believe in, you know, the continuation. I believe in reincarnation. I believe you know, the continuation on some level of something. The energy, the source continues on and there's no ending to it. You know, there's something within me that is way beyond this physical form, so that continues on. The physical form doesn't, but that certainly would never not be. And I, I, I found, I was surprised by how sad it made me, in a way, to think that, that she doesn't have that sense of something far bigger than her, you know, kind of being the little engine that could, that continues on. <laughs> You know that's that's interesting for me because I uh, I have a a different understanding now, but probably for at least fifteen, if not twenty years, from my late teens into my forties, um, I was I believe there was something bigger, you know, than man. There there's a higher power. But about this continuity of life or this expression of life in different forms, I really didn't believe that either. I mean, I believe mm. that I was created and life, all of life was created by a higher power. And, you know, so I was created in that way. And when I died, then that was the end of me. That was mm. the end of of me. Now, I have, I kind of think I might have, it's been a while now, so I have to think back. I think I believed in reincarnation of a sort. You know, not so much I would actually come back, but in, in another form. But for me, that wasn't connected with the continuity of life. It was kind of like this life is over, and there is some spark of me or some spark of energy that, I will I will experience life again, but it won't be me. It'll be like everything I know now and about who I am will be completely different and gone. No, that's true. Like there's Very not nice. as it, it wasn't just about the physical form. Mm -hmm. It was about who I am this time mm -hmm. and who I how I express and what I think and what I believe. It'll be completely different. That's true. And um, it it I didn't think that there was a continuity of my life experience mm. or my perception of life. Mm. Um, so that's interesting because, yeah, I really kind of had forgotten that, yeah, it's really different for me now that I really believe that the core being of who I am, that there are some things. And, I, you know, like when I've met people and I was in a relationship with someone for nine years who I... <laughs> I have no doubt at all that we picked up on a relationship that we had 
at some time oh, in the past, cool. right, right, you right. know, decades or centuries ago, mm-hmm. that our being in relationship together was not an accident, and it was not the first time that the two of us specifically right. have been in a relationship together. Love that. And it was a, it was really and it didn't little, work this time either. <laughs> and it was a little freaky. You'll, you'll have to do it again then. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe this time it was done. Uh, although there was that thought that okay, like is this complete? Is this complete? Like we came right. back together right. and is this complete, or is this? okay, you still didn't get it right, and, you know, you'll be right back in this again. Um, and to that, I don't really even have an answer now, and, and we've been, you know, we broke up many years ago. Um, I think it was complete. I think it was. Ah. That was the completion of whatever was supposed to be done, you know, relationship-wise. Um so yeah, I, it, that's interesting that that since you had a sadness mm-hmm. that she didn't have any um, belief mm-hmm. in an ongoing kind of connection to you. And you know, I'm I've got to believe in some way that sense of um, what you know continuing on or being connected is probably why the language of our father came about to try to give people a context of everybody has the same you know that there's some connection between all of us and then there's some continuation on that we get to go and be with this you know father. this father out in this this space of heaven you know it's so fascinating as as you were talking and as I talk all the time it's like all of these beliefs kind of drill down to the same thing, but we get so caught up in the language of the belief. I can get so caught up in the language of the belief that um, that I miss that, that golden thread that people talk about, that ultimate, that truth of truth. And I guess that's why I was so interested in kind of having that little thought about the how the Trinity applies to a more metaphysical or new thought kind of thing because it does open a, a different way of thinking about the same concept and shows how all concepts ultimately have kind of the same same fabric to them. And the father, you know, is a concept that that that, that is, so exists in the science of mind thinking, but it's the the language, the masculinity, the human sense of that word is taken out. And you know, well, in in science of mind, the quote that so many of us love so much that um, that is not just science of mind. I mean, Emma Curtis Hopkins used it and Thomas Troward used it way before Ernest Holmes used it. And But in the New Thought Movement, this idea of there's a power for good in the universe available to all of us and we can use it um, is is about this the Trinity it is about the Father, but using has all this power. Mm-hmm. Spirit has all this power. God has all this power, and it is available to each one of us to use. And the idea that each one of us is a microcosm of the macro, a micro version, a micro expression of mm-hmm. the macro, then in New Thought that the, the this whole concept of I am one with God, I am powered by God, I'm breathed by God, I am a physical expression of God's energy, God's strength, God's love, God's joy, that then, you know, the language, I think that's one of the reasons, too, why the language of the Father is used in reference to the spiritual text, mm-hmm. but it's not used you know, kind of in everyday language, as you said, um, because it's, wow, as I am operating here on earth, I am the vehicle which, I am the package through which God is expressing. Mm -hmm. And so I have, when I speak my word or when I um, interact with someone, I am setting the intention that has to come out and express as the sun. 
as the effect, as the love, as the joy. And so I am actually doing the same process, following in, quote-unquote, God's example, God's footsteps, God's Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, And staying in the memory of that, in the remembering of that, in the awakened state of that is, for me, you know, the 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 opportunity, as I like to tell the women in jail, it's an opportunity to stay in that because I can get lost in, you know, even today I have, I tried to write it all out yesterday on paper, and today can't happen. It's impossible. What I have to do today is humanly impossible, even writing it down. I couldn't make it work. And it's like, oh, okay. But it's got to work, right? It has to be. It just has to work. And I can get caught up in this, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. Or I could just go, well, it's going to work. It, it has to work. I can't see how it's going to work. <laughs> but it's something that's going to happen. All of this must happen. <laughs> And it's always an opportunity to get lost in that moment of panic or fear or anxiety or get lost in that moment of, you know, all things are coming together for good. And if you're going to choose which forest to get lost in... (laughs) Yes, exactly right. I'm going to choose the forest that all things are working together for my good. I'm not going to choose the forest where this is, like, not happening, dangerous, and it's impossible. I mean, we make it up anyway. Why don't you make our... Exactly. Right. has a happy ending. Right. You know, I had the opportunity yesterday to be sitting in the in the in the uh, court building of the Dallas County Court System, trying to figure out a ticket. Well, not a ticket, but trying to figure out something for my car. And I was sitting for probably an hour. And sadly, I had forgotten to bring paper or pen or something to occupy my ADD mind. And so I was forced to just sit <laughs> and uh, look at people. And I found myself, there was tons of little tiny children. And it was fascinating to watch them watch. Because they were watching. I mean, everything was new to them. They were excited. Something would move. A paper would, you know, get kicked across the, the, the floor. And they would, their eyes would go over and they'd be fascinated. And it was really, in light, you know, it brought out life in me to watch them watch life. And I get the concept thinking about human parents. I am not a human parent of a two-legged child, but I can only imagine how having a two-legged child can bring out that sense of um, newness, that sense of excitement, that sense of um, life is more than what I see it when I look through my little two-year-old's eyes. And so I can so understand the concept of the desire to have a, a small two-legged child to, to look through. And I, I wondered, at what age does that change? You know, at what age does the little piece of paper go flying across the floor and you don't even notice it? You know, it's like, we should all just stop right then. Whatever, whatever that age that is, that's when we should just transition back. Yeah, I think that's an interesting conversation all in itself of how we come in with the curiosity and the openness and the ability to be fascinated by everything as a miracle. Right. Or everything as a as as interesting. Just pondering, yes, what is that? How's that work? And we it gets socialized out of us. Mm-hmm. Not you know, not just even in the best of families mm-hmm. that encourage children to, you know, try to maintain that spark. And you think about socialization. I mean, everybody is so exposed to images and thoughts and beliefs in in the culture. And so, yeah, what age does it shift? And the people that it doesn't shift Mm -hmm. for or who don't shift are are conditions. (laughs) Well, are considered insane or, um, you know, they're, they're labeled with some label that is negative. Um, and they can't seem to, you know, quote unquote, function. Yeah, and so we have to label it a certain way. You know, I can. I, I just. I, it's so funny. I always think about how I've kind of lived my life backwards because when I was in my twenties, I was in that state of bliss, 
pretty much all the time. And people would comment. They always thought I was on drugs or they thought I was, you know, really strange. And they kept trying to find ways to show me how life was not really that good and how, you know, and I was just like, wow, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that. And so now I'm kind of pondering the possibility of having my day and looking for the excitement of how is this all going to work out? Spirit will work this out perfectly. You know, this will all work out perfectly. And to have to go into it with an, with a attitude of excitement to see how is it, you know, how is this paper going to fly across that room? Because it's going to fly, you know, the day is going to happen. And I can look at it with excitement or, oh, my goodness, this isn't going to work. You know, this is going to fail somewhere along the way and some horrible thing is going to happen. And, you know, and then, right, we're eight, right, we're eight steps into the story before, just, and then we realize, just, wait a minute, this not is even a story news. I'm making up, right? None of this has happened. Yes, None of yes. this has been guaranteed. Let me refocus. And whatever, however I frame my belief around our Father or God in heaven or spirit within me, I mean, if I really, you know, believe that, and I think that's one of the things that I always, um, I remember Reverend Petra saying at the Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas years and years ago, you know, how would my life be different if I actually lived what I believe? Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard that said by other people in the past, but for whatever reason, that time when she said it, you know, it just kind of struck me, and how fascinating that question is you know how would i how would my life be different if i actually lived what i believe what i say i believe what i say i believe well yeah true that <laughs> ultimately because what i am living what i believe ultimately you are i am living what i believe i'm living the fear that i believe i'm living the sense of lack that I believe, I'm living the, mm. you know, anger that I believe. I mean, that's what's actually manifesting in my life, that which I believe. But what I say I believe. Right, good point. And intellectually believe it. Mm-hmm. But I haven't aligned my heart, my head and my heart. I haven't aligned the subconscious beliefs with right. what my conscious beliefs are. right. And that certainly, I think, would be bang on to my challenge, you know, because I intellectually bang on, bang on, bang on. Is that, you don't know what that means? Bang on. That means dead on, right on. Okay. <laughs> that would be what I what I experience is having intellectual belief that obviously hasn't tempered down into a belief belief quite all the time. And and again, picking back, it just it, it it how could I have had it and had lost it so desperately? It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. It's a pondering thing. Well, I am with you on one regard. I um was just recently having that a reflection of what I used to how I used to live my life, how I showed up in the world. Right like then and now, right? and I was thinking at different stages, and it's really interesting for me that, to some degree, the same thing, what I was living in my mid to late 20s and into my early 30s was what I believe. Well, I guess I really believed it then and what I believe now, but I didn't have any of the theology around it or the dogma or the language. Mm. I just knew it from the inside out, Mm -hmm. and I lived it Mm -hmm. consistently. My spiritual practice was strong, but it wasn't because I had gone somewhere and they were like, you need to have spiritual practice, Mm -hmm. you know. And then I realized that when I started, when I got into new thought and, you know, found there was structure and started reading what other people had said about it, you know, then it became both an affirmation Uh of what I already knew, Uh but also all this new stuff that was in the same vein, but it was, it was new stuff. Well, that's fascinating. So you kind of learned your way out of it. And some of it was like, I need to do that. Oh, I need to try this. Oh, and I was already in alignment, complete right, alignment, right, right, inner, right. inner and outer. 
And so then I think it was that dissonance. Well, maybe I'll be in better alignment or deeper alignment if I try these things that I didn't even know about before, but these wise people heard about. (laughs) But there wasn't any big, huge dissonance. And I feel pretty much that then, you know, I got to another place where everything was in alignment. And then when I started studying, you know, in science of mind deeply. Study, study. Studying, studying. It's like that. I think there's something about that mindset of studying, which tells your subconscious, I don't know what I need to know, and so I need to learn. wow. And literally, even in the process of studying for my practitioner license, you know, there was that, that, that tension place. Mm. about, um, and I've told this story on the show before, that there was this one place, like, in the last six weeks or so of, of right, you know, before finishing all the study, where it's like my brain just locked, and it was the whole, after reflection and digging into it, it was the whole idea that my subconscious and my ego, you know, my ego was remembering, and after years and years I had said, I will never, I don't want to be, like, um, a minister. That's your story. I don't want to be (laughs) aligned into one faith practice because Uh, they all have the same foundation. Right. You know, all paths lead to God. Even though I didn't have that phrase, that was what I believed. And the idea that if, like, if I became one thing, that I was saying that was the way, the one path, oh, the only thing, the right. best way. Mm-hmm. And I that I knew I didn't believe that. I believe that there are many, that people find the path that is best for them to guide them to live a life they love living. And, um, and you know, it's like it all came up to that point, and it was like, no, you you can't do anything right. You You're not doing it right. You can't answer these questions. Oh, wow. And my brain just locked up. And um, it was like my whole inner being was in rebellion for a little bit, for a few, couple of How weeks. How did you resolve that? Tell me you didn't, like, slap the inner being down. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the way. Well, no. I mean, it took me a couple of weeks to actually figure out what was going on because okay. I, I didn't know. So right. I, the way I'm talking about it now, I didn't have that clarity. Okay. I just, you know got to that clarity through meditation and reflection and talk talking it out with a few people and having conversations about what was happening and then getting the insight, right? Um, and so then I just, I did find the answer. It's like, well, oh, once I realized that's what was happening, you know, then I could relax. I could talk to my ego and was like, no, you're right. I'm not changing. I do believe that all paths lead to God. I do believe that there's no one religion or faith that is better than any other. I'm not about making anybody else wrong. And the practices and the the learning that I am focusing on now is giving me great understanding about science of mind and about new thought, but it's not to the exclusion of, you know, all this other stuff. It's like I had to have a conscious bridge. Uh-huh that made it work for me, and I do, I think now I am not in complete, complete, carefree, unconscious alignment, you know, I I am very conscious about practice now, and, and that's not bad, it's, I'm moving back to that place where I'm in complete alignment and don't ever really have to think about it. But I think that that period of study, an intense study, was sending a message that huh. maybe you you know you don't know and you need to think about this and it's work to use your uh, phrase. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's so fascinating because I'm thinking back to my twenties. I was trying to think, well, what kind of spiritual practice did I have? And it was uh, twelve steps. That's when that I did see Al Anon. That's when I was immersed in Al Anon. I didn't go to any church. I didn't, have, I didn't have a church in my 20s. And that is so fascinating to me yeah. because I think that exactly as you described that process, that has screwed me up <laughs> in a strange way. 
Because I do, I constantly now think, oh, you know, there's some thought that planted that seed that's created this thing, and I'm I'm so caught up in that. Whereas in my 20s, if something kind of, if I went over a speed bump in life, I was like, where'd that come from? Oh, well, that's gone. That's over. Okay, let's go on. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider. Let me try to analyze it, dissect it, and now what do I do with it? It's like, this is not who I am. Goodbye. I'm so confused by you. Okay, uh, see ya. Why did you visit? But, and so, it wasn't even, oh, gosh, I'm going back to 12-step meetings. <laughs> I mean, and then, you know, when I think about 12-step meetings, isn't it fascinating that what I just said earlier, their only rule is, is that there's, no concept of we don't tell you who God is. You've got to figure that out. For yourself. You've got to make and your you own decision. Mm-hmm. You've got to make your own relationship. And so and so that's what I did. You know, I would sit out that's when I started, you know, meditating. I didn't know I was meditating, but I would sit outside and I would have these conversations with God or I would you know and it's really fascinating that that was um that that, that was the time that I absolutely had the most and I like how you, how did you phrase it? Care, what did you say? You said spontaneous, carefree, something, something. In alignment with the flow. In alignment with the flow. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what I said. Yeah, well, I'm going to, I'm going to actually listen because I like that. And I'm going to try to, try to make that into some bit of a, a bit of an affirmation. And I'm, I'm gonna, so glad the show is recorded. That's it. That's it. I'm serious. I, I loved how that flowed. And I actually learned something this week that I could um, share as a spiritual practice that I had not understood the difference between a mantra and an affirmation. Really? Are you surprised that I didn't know the difference or are you saying you don't know the difference? (laughs) I'm surprised that you didn't distinguish between the two. So, So talk about that. Well, I consider an affirmation could be a mantra. I think is what I had considered, and um, I learned this week. I, we have a woman that volunteers for our program at the at the jail, and she has gone through a really fascinating spiritual journey and has lived in a monastery for a year with her husband in California. And they have um, become practicing these mantras that are ancient sayings, and there's like. I don't know, there's, a, it, it, there's not an infinite number. There's a definite number of them. There's like, I don't know, she had like 17 of them on a page or something. I mean, it was a, they're, they're, they're known as mantrams, and they're not, it's not even a mantra. It's mantram. Is that even the right language? I wasn't using the right language before. And they have, you know, there's Hindu, and then there's, you know, there's there's different, whatever we want to call those spiritual faiths, an American Indian, you know, they all have, and then they have, the original language of them, and it has the English definition of what it means. But the mantra is the is the original language. You say it in the original language, and you say it all the time, repeat it all the time, and it and it literally the science of it <laughs> to to justify this the spirit of it. It connects to that inner energy, and it connects automatically in a way that an affirmation doesn't. And it was interesting because she talked about affirmations, how when I say I'm happy, joyous, and free, my mind or my ego will say, no, you're not. Life is not good for you at all. What are you talking about? But that when you say the blah, 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 I couldn't even, you know, I haven't practiced enough to be able to say one because they're all in these ancient, you know, languages. When I say that, my it, it so automatically connects to God within that there's no there's no opposition and she talked about, you know, again, saying it all the time, just immersing, you know, all the time. And that it just awakens and awakens and awakens and remembers and remembers, you know, just it just in, it embodies what's already here. It, it makes it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this woman is in her late 60s, and she looks like she's in her 30s. And, I mean, you know, I say that to people to be kind all the time, but that's not true. I mean, she literally... She has the energy of that. And it's fascinating to watch her walk through the jail. We were talking at one point about how the jail's become so much more stringent on different things that we used to be able to take in and we couldn't take in anymore. And, and she has this binder that has, like, 
metal in it, and you know, and the and the most stringent of guards will be like, oh, okay. I mean, there's something about her energetically that doors just open. There is no resistance in her life. She can do things that, you know, and and I really have always, you know, in the she could walk through a wall. She could walk. <laughs> I am certain of it if she wanted to. And she just is such a simple, you know, she's just a simple woman. She's not, there's nothing, you know, she's not a minister. She doesn't, but she's going to teach these mantras to the women in the jail. And I think it's going to be amazing. But that spiritual practice of that is so much different than I, I understood a mantra was just something I said 108 times in my mala beach, you know, and it could be anything, you know. But the difference between an affirmation and, and that, that old saying, mantra. So the contemporary use of the word mantra is, actually just replicating what you said, it, mm-hmm. and it is that you are saying something that is resonating at a spiritual level and you are repeating it enough that it will you're, it will bypass, it will become so much a part of your subconscious and, and core being that it will bypass your brain. Mm. And, so, and so the way we use mm-hmm. the word mantra is mm-hmm. something that is repeated over and over and has a rhythm to it, actually. And it is based on the original, the the, the uh, century-long practice. Yeah. So if you do anything around, um, you know, there are traditional and sacred That's it, mantras that, um, depending on the faith practice, that do connect in, like there are mantras that connect into each of the chakras, to each of those points in your body. There are mantras that connect in. Yes, from a sound level, like each of the mantras, if you look at the the, um, Hindu kind of background stuff, there's a sound Mm -hmm. that matches, that has been matched to each of the chakras. So if you want to balance your chakras, you chant that chant or you do a mantra based on that sound, or there is a mantra. So So it's not that it's not the same as just like so many things in our contemporary time. Mm-hmm. We've taken the ancient ancient mm-hmm. wisdom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and contemporized it, and so people <laughs> would say, repeat the, they're going to tell you, repeat the affirmation, well, and they'll say, like a mantra. And so it's easy to, to confuse the two, or to collapse the two. That's the word I'm looking yes. for. It's, they're collapsed into one another, and if you don't know the history of the of true deep mantras, so you know uh, Deva Pramal does oh. ch- chants. A lot uh-huh. of what are the traditional mantras are now referred to more often as chanting and toning, mm. and those are the really. I think you know, as the word mantra itself kind of got bastardized by oh, culture. Apparently, yeah, I never knew that. That when people say, "Oh, you know, come and chant with us," all the chants are the traditional mantras. And it's interesting. She said it was the key to all of it is to pick one that resonates that's with you, and that's dance. all all you use, and you never sway from it. And that 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 mm-hmm. again, uh, is the is the practice is is picking the one. Right. My poor mind, I've had so many different ones over the years. <laughs> it was very interesting to me, listening to her talk, so I'm going to pick one. So that's about all the time we have for today, uh, talking about our father, the concept of that, and uh, next time we will be talking about suffering, how perfect is that, <laughs> from our father to suffering. That's great. Whatever. <laughs> Never know with say yes to spirit. The only thing that we know for sure <laughs> is that we will always be here and we will always have a topic. <laughs> so until we meet again, we encourage you to say, say yes, yes to spirit. spirit.
Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.